Welcome back to I'm Open. Today we're going to be talking about the worst liar in sports. A man who threw his daughters under the bus. No, it wasn't a real bus. And a terrible luggage mix-up. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open. I'm Open Family. We've got an awesome episode ahead of us. We've got dramatic, curious, intense stories, controversial stories. We're going to be learning. We're going to be laughing. That's why it's the I'm Open Podcast. I'm excited. Let's just get right into it because we've got a lot to discuss this week. The Kansas City Chiefs just knocked off the New England Patriots. It's been one of our marquee matchups of the season, a rematch of last season's AFC title game with the Patriots narrowly escaping over the Chiefs on the way to the Super Bowl. Now this year, the Chiefs came into Gillette Stadium, came into Massachusetts out for revenge to knock off the Patriots and Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback ever, 25 years old or younger, to beat Tom Brady in his home stadium, Gillette Stadium. That is pretty wild. All of this, it was an exciting win. Two, two marquee teams in the NFL right now, two teams, there's a good chance we can see these guys match up again in the playoffs sometime soon. But around this game, you know we're not here to talk X's and O's, and we're not here to talk stats, even though I just dropped that nice one about Pat Mahomes' age, because this is the I'm Open podcast, and we like to focus on stories that are a little bit outside. I can't say outside the lines, because I'll get sued. A little outside the, the field of play. And this time, this game was surrounded by a whole sort of transportation situation with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, what happened was the Chiefs, they arrived for their game Sunday morning in Massachusetts, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Gillette Stadium, home of the Patriots. They realized, as the equipment staff started to unpack all the team's equipment and gear, they were missing some bags. And I'm sure we've all been there before. You show up, you're looking, you're waiting in the belt, in the whole uh, conveyor belt for your bag to scroll out. Something looks like your bag, but it's not exactly your bag. Soon enough, you're waiting 15 minutes, 20 minutes. The belt eh, cranks to a stop and your bag doesn't come out. And ah, what a shitty feeling. Then you have to go back. You have to go in the office, figure out where your bag is. You hand them your little receipt so they can try to track it. It's a pain. It's a pain. And it's happened to me. I think it's happened to many of us. But I th- we would assume, we would think that it probably isn't going to happen to a professional football team. I mean, these guys aren't just shipping a bathing suit and a toothbrush. These are like football helmets, football uniforms. They actually said they were missing about 35 helmets for the Kansas City Chiefs players. 35. That's more than half the team that is missing their helmets as they're about to play the New England Patriots, their biggest game of the season. Now, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, the Patriots, we can't trust these guys. We've had the deflated football situation. We've had them spying on the New York Jets. We've had different situations where you wonder about the moral sanctity of this team. You wonder if they have any interest in following the rules. And don't worry about that, though, because the Patriots were not involved in sabotaging the Chiefs luggage. The Patriots did not steal the luggage. The Patriots didn't pop any tires in the trucks or or didn't, you know, cause any confusion with TSA because they were busy filming the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Okay, so is that cheating? Maybe, but they were too busy cheating by filming the Cincinnati Bengals that, well, unless this is a whole giant diversion in the grand scheme that they stole somehow the Chiefs' luggage in a way to distract from the fact that at the same time they were also filming the Cincinnati Bengals' sideline during their game against the Browns. Now, that would really be a scheme that only Bill Belichick could come up with, the Kaiser Soze of sports. But uh, I... I think that's kind of their alibi here. Look, we couldn't have stolen the Chiefs' stuff. We were over here filming the Bengals. So how could we have possibly stolen the equipment from the Chiefs? How could we have possibly accidentally rerouted all of their equipment to New Jersey when the game is obviously in New England, in Boston, outside of Boston? Because we were all busy filming the Bengals' sideline. We were busy doing a little reconnaissance. On the Cincinnati Bengals, our upcoming opponent. So, 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 how could we have possibly taken the, taken the Chiefs stuff? So, each NFL franchise is worth probably at least a billion dollars. So, when you consider in total, this is a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar corporation. And these guys can't even figure out how to get their luggage there on time. When you think of all the ad deals in place, all of the fans who had bought tickets, all of the different sponsorships... And then there was the chance that the guys who were literally running on the field, Pat Mahomes and his guys, were going to run on the field without helmets? I mean, come on. Come on. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, airports, airports are the great equalizer. I've actually been in the Newark airport, that same airport where the Chiefs gear ended up getting sent to by mistake. And I'll be honest, I think most people end up in the Newark airport by mistake. And if I can help it, I hope I never have to go back there again because it's absolutely a brutal experience. It's one of the worst airports I've ever been in. Everybody in there is pissed off and miserable. When I was in there, I saw, no lie, I saw Ryan from the office, the intern, the temp, whatever, BJ, BJ Novak is his name, the actor. I saw him sitting against a wall, charging his phone because he just needed a charge real quick. I'm serious. And you think, oh man, celebrities, they couldn't be in such a desperate situation where you just need to crouch against the wall in the middle of the Newark airport just to charge your phone for a few minutes. But yes, he did. And that's exactly what Ryan was doing, or BJ, as his real name is. And I kind of did a double take and I was like, really, Ryan? This is really what it's come to? You're crouching here on the floor, charging your phone against the wall of the Newark airport? And and by the time I started walking back towards him to talk to him or introduce myself, he left because I I noticed and he must have been ashamed and he didn't want me to take his photo for TMZ or Worldstar or anything and catch him uh, in his vulnerable moment. But I think it just goes to show... All of us are vulnerable at the airport. All of us are flustered and not looking our best and maybe wearing some sweatpants and maybe didn't have time to wash our hair or maybe have a little pizza grease stuck on our chin or something because everybody's in transition. Everybody's trying to get somewhere, come from somewhere. And, and you know, sometimes even the stars, even famous people like the Chiefs or Ryan from The Office have to go through some shit at the airport. You know, another time I was at the airport, and now it's going to just seem like I always bump into celebrities at the airport, but I have, I've had a couple weird situations like this. I had another time I was passing through the Charlotte airport, and Randy Moss came walking right by me. Randy Moss. The Randy Moss. He was very tall. I know what he looked like. It was Randy Moss. He was wearing a full Louis Vuitton sweatsuit. 
dark brown on light brown, and he just walked right by me. I just gave him a little nod. I let him keep going. I'm not going to blow up Randy Moss's spot. He was wearing big-ass aviators in the middle of the Charlotte airport. Okay, I'm not trying to blow up his spot with his Louis Vuitton sweatsuit. He's just trying to get to his plane. So I just nodded, just just gave him a little acknowledgement, but I, I, I didn't try to push push it on him. I didn't try to draw attention to him because I'm chill. I know how it is, Randy. Um, but he had to carry his own luggage. He was wearing his pajamas or sweatpants or whatever, just trying to be comfortable on the plane like, like all of us do. And another time... I had had just some shitty, shitty luck with my flights getting delayed, getting bumped off flights, just one thing after the other. Like, it was honestly just, you couldn't have made it up. I had two consecutive days where I could not get my flight. I kept trying to get on the flight. There kept being weather issues. I kept getting bumped from the plane from people who had had priority over me from the day before. And it was just altogether a freaking disastrous experience. I felt like I was in some sort of version of the Twilight Zone mixed with... That Tom Hanks movie where he just moves into the airport because he has some issue with his green card or something. It really felt like that. Because every single day I would wake up, I would go back to the airport, and I, I could not get my flight. I was literally at the breaking point. I was basically ready to fight one of the uh, folks working behind the counter for the airline. And I know it's not their fault, but I just, I, I was getting so frustrated. I was. And next to me, I turn. Another customer getting equally as frustrated, equally as angry, also like, where is there no other flight? Is there really no other way? And and I look and see who it is to my left. It's tiny little Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, that one from Legally Blonde and so many other great films and TV shows. Reese Witherspoon herself also could not figure out a fucking flight situation. And she was in there right next to me. Here I am at one counter. Reese Witherspoon to the counter to, to my left. And both of us are like, you, you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I've been stuck here all day. And you're telling me you still don't have another flight? And at that moment, I basically just had to give up inside. Because it's like, okay, look, if Reese Witherspoon isn't getting a flight, then I'm sure as fuck not getting a flight. I am definitely, let me, let me just get my bag and go back to and call a cab or something because I'm going to be stuck out here another day at least. If Reese Witherspoon can't get service, oh, fuck. It's over for me. So, you know, airports, they're the great equalizer. They're the great equalizer for everybody. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they lost their fucking luggage on their way to play the Patriots. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, they said that if they couldn't get their helmets there, if they couldn't get the proper equipment, obviously, you can't just play without helmets because you might break your face in half. So the guys thought they might have to forfeit the game. That was going to be the answer. But at the last moment, the Chiefs, they contacted a representative from Riddell. That's the equipment company that manufactures the helmets for NFL players and teams. So they, they contacted Riddell. They said, look, we are in a fucking bind. We don't have these helmets. They're stuck in Newark. Now, meanwhile, they did rent some big, like, big cargo trucks to try to bring all the helmets from Newark to Foxborough. But that's not a quick drive. You guys know how that traffic can be between New York and Boston. It can be nasty. So they weren't sure. Are the helmets going to get here in time? The guys need to warm up. The guys need to practice. We need to make sure every guy has the right helmet. It's not just like a everybody grab a helmet situation. They each are sized to the guy's head. So this is really a lot of logistics to figure out. So it was a race against time. And, and meanwhile, the Chiefs did reach out to a representative from Riddell. And they said, look, we are in a bind. We don't know what to do. So Riddell, what they did is they reached out to a local high school. 
in Massachusetts, Masconomet Regional High School, and to the athletic director there, John Delanes. And he was like, look, John, this is a weird situation going on. And obviously, I'm paraphrasing because I do not have the transcript of the phone call, but this is how I imagine it went down. Hey, John, this is uh, Freddie from Riddell. Sorry, I know this is going to be odd, uh, but we produce your helmets, the red ones, and they've got a little arrowhead in the middle of the helmet that say N on them for, for Masconom at high school. That's where you work, right? And uh, John said, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, you know, what, what can I help you guys with? Are you doing some sort of a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing? No. No, that's not exactly it, John. See, the Chiefs are in town. They're playing against the Patriots. Oh, yeah, of course. Go Patriots. Well, here's the issue, John, is that the Chiefs, they also uh, they also have an arrowhead uh, on their helmet. Oh, yeah, I, I think I did know that. And they actually play in a place called Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, that's true. But let's not really get into that right now because this is a big emergency. Now, the Chiefs, their helmets, they're lost in Newark. They're stuck in New Jersey. They're coming back up on, on, on large trucks. But we don't know when they're going to get here. Now, is there any chance your boys would be li- willing to let the Chiefs borrow their, their, their helmets just for one day? Um, yeah, so, so you're telling me that the Kansas City Chiefs want to to want to borrow my that my looks just spit it out john because the, the game's about to happen okay so i just want to clarify though you're 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 telling me that the chiefs want to borrow my my high school kids helmets yes dude yes that's what i fucking said do you hear me or not because it's a real emergency and this is the nfl okay so if we don't if we screw this up we okay look okay i heard you i understand i understand sure i mean i guess the, the boys wouldn't mind I mean, they have an M on them. They don't have a KC on them. Yeah, dude. I fucking know they don't have a KC on them. Your, your name is Maskinomit, not Kansas City. But we just need some helmets, okay? We're going to lose like a fucking million dollars. Um, all right. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me call the let me call the school janitor and see if he can go and uh, open up the equipment closet. Uh, and I'm sure the guys would, would be happy to share them with the Chiefs. All right, great. Got to go. Thanks so much for your help. Got to go. And that's how I imagine the whole call went down. Between the athletic director there at Maskinamit High School and the representative from Riddell. So, even though they've got an M in the middle of the arrowhead, they do not have the KC. They do, other than that, have almost exactly the same helmet design as the Kansas City Chiefs. One might say they copied the Kansas City Chiefs helmet design. Well, the, the school is actually called the Maskinamit Chieftains. That's the name of their mascot, so they're not that far off. And they've got a red helmet. With a white arrowhead, with a red letter inside, and a white face mask. Basically the same color scheme as the Chiefs. So literally the Chiefs' backup plan up until about an hour before the game was going to be to wear these high school kids' helmets. Now, with the whole size situation, I'm not sure logistically how this would have figured it, you know, really worked out and they would have figured this out. Because your helmets, as I mentioned, a helmet is like a hat. There's like hat sizes as there are shoe sizes. And now I'm really explaining this to the basics, but you guys understand this. For clothing that people wear on their bodies, there's different sizes available based on, you know, what fits that person comfortably. So I I just have a hard time believing that a group of about 45 to 50 NFL players, I mean, some of these guys are 6'6", 335 pounds. I have a hard time believing that they can all fit into the same helmets that a bunch of high school kids wear. Now, Maskinomit, they might have some big boys up there. I'm not sure. I haven't seen them play. But I would find it pretty hard to believe that they might have 
30 or 40 extra large helmets or whatever size 26, whatever, however helmet sizes are broken down to be able to fit all the single chiefs. And then it would be like a whole Cinderella in the glass slipper type situation with all the different players having to try on different kids' helmets, trying to figure out which one is going to fit them. Oh, this one fits me. Oh, this one's too small. Oh, this one's too big. I guess it's kind of a Goldilocks situation as well. Oh, that one looks good on you. Oh, this one looks good on me. Wait, we both fit the same one and there's only one left. What are we going to do? Trade when you come off on the sideline? There's going to be so many logistical issues with trying to figure that out. Now, luckily for the Chiefs and the rest of the NFL, and unfortunately for the Patriots, the helmets arrived just in time. Only about an hour and a half before the game, they had video of the equipment guys like sprinting down the hallway with these giant bags of luggage, trying to get there in time for the guys to warm up for the game. And they did. They did their jobs at the end of the day. They rented the U-Hauls, whatever the fuck they had to do, got them from Newark to Foxborough, and they did it. So... The next time you have your luggage lost or misplaced or have some issue with your flight where you end up getting routed to the wrong place, consider you're not that special. This could happen to Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP of the NFL. This could happen to the Kansas City Chiefs, a sports franchise that's valued at about $2.5 billion with a B. Okay, so it can definitely happen to you. And sometimes shit just doesn't go the way you planned. And luckily, you could take a little page out of the Chiefs book now and they can give you a little motivation Monday. Same with the Maskinamit Regional High School guys because they were willing to share. They were willing to jump into action and, and help out in a moment of need. And the Chiefs, they rebounded from this frustration. They rebounded from this stressful situation to get a victory and a historic victory at that. So I think that's a great lesson for all of us. Keep humble, keep grinding, and eventually you will get that win that you've been looking for. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, and follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod. Enjoy the rest of the show. The Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they got the win they were looking for last weekend, but somebody who was actually looking for a loss instead of a win, Josh Shaw. Now, Josh, he's not really playing this season. He's been on injured reserve, but he's technically a member of the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are having a tough season, and I'm not sure if having Josh playing for the team would even help that much. They're just having a tough season all around. Only three wins so far. Now, Josh, he's got some free time. So, he made a little stop to Vegas recently. And Arizona, Vegas, they're not that far away. If you're in that part of the part of the world, that part of the country, it's not that far to get over there. So Josh decided to make a little trip to Vegas. In Vegas, what is a popular thing to do? Obviously, other than seeing washed up pop performers and, and weird uh, magicians. Gambling. Gambling is another very popular thing. So Josh, he was in the casino. The Caesars Palace, and he decided to go into the, the gambling area, and he actually decided to go into the sports book area where you gamble on sports. Famously, Pete Rose did this, and uh, now he's like a total outcast from the whole baseball community. Everybody hates him, and he was betting on his team to win. So, 
Gambling is very frowned upon in the world of sports. You are not supposed to gamble on your own sport, and you're definitely not supposed to gamble on your own team. Now, at least in Pete Rose's situation, he was betting that his own team would win. So he he's just giving himself more encouragement to go and bust his ass every day out there on the field. But Josh, he bet on his own team as well, but he actually bet on his team to lose the game. Now, Josh did a, did a bet that's called a parlay, which basically means that you are betting several different games at the same time. And if all of the games hit your prediction, then you win a lot of money. Because it's, you know, it's like, it's not just betting one game. You have to have different factors play in. The odds go up. Because you're betting on several different outcomes all happening at the same time. So, Josh was doing a parlay. That weekend, the Cardinals were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by none other than Jameis Winston, our guy who we mentioned just a couple uh, episodes ago. He's balling out here, leading the NFL on passing yards and interceptions. Love you, Jameis. Keep throwing that thing. So, they were playing against Jameis, and Josh must have listened to I'm Open because he thought, look, Jameis, he's one of the most confident guys in the world. He's throwing that rock left and right up and down the field. I'm betting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to kick the shit out of my Arizona Cardinals. I'm not playing, so I'm not out there to intercept Jameis or force any fumbles or, or make any tackles, so I'm sure he's going to put up a lot of points. Well, in a way, he was right. He did put up a lot of points. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers handled the Cardinals, but he didn't score as many points as Josh needed him to to win his bet. So now this is coming out ugly because, one, not only did Josh bet against his own team, but he lost his bet. So his team proved him wrong, but just just imagine he must have been in practice earlier this season like, man, we really fucking suck. These guys suck. And then when he got injured, he was like, hey, look, now that I know, I am betting against these, against these guys the soonest chance I get because my team is some garbage. That must be the way he was thinking. He just genuinely thinks his team sucks. And he's like, look, I've got the inside knowledge. I know my team better than anybody else. I mean, I was there early in the season before I got injured, preseason and everything, and these guys are garbage. We are going to get crushed. I know it's Tampa Bay. I know Jameis is the interception king, but the guy's got swag, and I think he's going to tear our defense apart. And in a way, he underestimated his own team. And the big, big, big mistake, the biggest mistake of all, is that he signed up for a rewards card, a Caesar rewards card. It's like, okay, first of all, though every single place you fucking go, I, and I'm not going to start just trashing businesses here left and right, but you can't go in anywhere without them trying to get you to sign up for their own special credit card, their own rewards card, gift card, punch card, whatever the hell it is. Every single place is trying to have their own little card system. Every business, every, I mean, it's, it's nonstop. Everywhere you go, they were like, oh, and you know, you can save 2% today if you just sign up for a card and give us your social security information and then you deposit. And it's like, no, no, no. It just takes two minutes. It's so easy. Everywhere they try to get you to do that. And everywhere, look, you just got to learn. You just got to learn by now, Josh. Just just say no and move on. You don't need to sign up for the rewards card. It's really, it's not really worth it. How many fucking rewards cards do you need? If you say yes to every rewards card, you're going to need to buy like a fucking mail carrier bag to carry all your rewards cards around. Just for every different business you go to. You're going to be fumbling like an idiot looking through a whole Rolodex of rewards card. Like, oh, what is this, Starbucks? Oh, no, it's, it's Pete's Coffee? Oh, shit, I don't know where that rewards card is. Just don't do the rewards cards. They don't give you that many rewards. 
Okay, it's not really that worth it. They're just giving people your information. Okay, they're just trying to convince you to spend more money there. But Josh signed up for the rewards card. That's fine. Agree to disagree, Josh. You like rewards cards. I don't. Fair enough to you. But he signed up his information. They ask name, address, phone number, all that jazz, hair color, favorite condiment. And they asked occupation. And he wrote professional football player. Now, Josh, you got to know. You got to know, my guy, that you can't write down professional football player. Even if you weren't gambling, like, just be low-key about it. Like, when you're a celebrity, like we were talking about, you know, with, with Ryan from The Office being the airport, be low-key about it. That's why I was low-key when I saw Randy Moss in the airport. I didn't blow up his spot. It's a professional football player. It's a professional football player. No, you just play it cool. You don't need to announce to everybody that you're a professional football player because that's hot, man. You're creating a hot situation around yourself. But Josh did that anyway. He wrote professional football player and immediately, within minutes, obviously, the Caesar Sportsbook was like, hey, this guy wrote professional football player on his gambling card. Maybe we should fucking check this out because that's illegal. But Josh, this guy does not have the best history of lying. He's not a good liar, and maybe he knows that. This goes back to Josh's time in college at USC, the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Now, while he was playing on the Trojans, Josh suffered an injury to his leg from jumping out of a window. Now, at first, he said he was like saving somebody from a fire, maybe like escaping from the fire. Then it changed to no, he was like escaping from this girl or or hiding from a girl or I don't know the whole situation. All I know is the guy tried to make up an excuse for jumping out the window for the reason that he broke his leg. It turned out that it was exposed that that didn't really happen. And he was in trouble and he also had a broken leg and it was all terrible. And this happened a couple years ago, so forgive me if I'm missing a couple details here and there. But that's the general gist of what happened back in college at USC. So maybe Josh just knows. You know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. You know your team sucks. And you know, look, I'm not a good liar. I might be a good football player. I'm not really a good liar. The last time I tried to do this, I made up this whole crazy story about me jumping out of a window to save somebody from a fire and nobody really bought that at all so let me just stick with it and let me just say look I'm a professional football player and I'm gambling but it didn't work out so this is almost like deja vu because it's adding the insult to the injury Josh is already injured and now he also is suspended who knows maybe when he gets back from the injury who knows if he'll even be able to play because of this situation with him gambling, you know, against his own team. And I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if he ends up playing for the Cardinals ever again. After the team knows that he bet against them? I mean, why would any of these guys want to line up next to the, next to Josh when they know that he was betting on them to lose? He assumed they were going to lose, and he basically thinks they suck. So maybe he'll find another team who wants to have him come on, but just a crazy sort of deja vu situation twice in his life, in his short football career so far. He has been injured and then added a suspension onto his injury, added another infraction onto his injury at the same time. And I know it's frustrating to be injured. I know you just want to be out there on the field with your guys, but but don't do stupid shit like this, Josh. Don't do it, man, because look, you, you should have learned your lesson, and now you've upset your teammates, you've endangered your ability to make money off of your skill set, and you weren't strategic at all. Just think things through, my guy. Think things through. You're still listening 
time open. Have we made you chuckle? Have you learned something new? That's great. Then tell a friend about the show and help us grow the I'm Open family just a little bit bigger. Now enjoy the rest of the show. something that we have to do a special tradition here on I'm open that we do every single time that's to recognize our mask off performer of the week this award is in honor of somebody who has taken off their mask and revealed something new about themselves this week doesn't have to be good doesn't have to be bad it just means that we've all learned something new of course this segment is an homage to the one and only legendary future. Thank you so much, future. Mask on, fuck it, mask on. Mask on, fuck it, mask on. This week, the Mask Off Award goes to somebody, maybe the only person who should consider taking Josh Shaw's advice, and that is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Freddie Kitchens. Now, most people, when you talk about betting against your own team, it's just freaking stupid. And I, you know, nobody's stupid. Everybody's smart in their own ways. Everybody's got their own talents and skills. But Josh, this was just silly, what Josh did. It really was. Betting against your own team, the guys are going to be mad at you. You write down your real name, your real occupation and everything. You're basically just telling yourself. But in this situation, with the Browns, Freddie... Maybe he should consider betting against the Browns as long as he's coaching them. Because this is a team that came into the season with huge expectations. They were the favorites to win their division, the AFC North, over the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, who now look like they're on their way to the one seed, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and of course the Cincinnati Bengals as well. The Browns, among all those teams, were the favorites. A lot of people were betting on them. They were a popular, popular pick there. To win the Super Bowl. They had Baker Mayfield last year's Rookie of the Year. They had Nick Chubb, a young superstar running back. They had a super steady, reliable receiver in Jarvis Landry. And they've got one of the up-and-coming superstars defensively in the NFL in Miles Garrett, who was leading the NFL in sacks earlier in the season. And then they added Odell Beckham Jr., the viral one, the famous one, the dancing one. So this team was full of talent, full of stars, and people had big expectations. Well, as we've discussed previously on the show, things have not gone to plan for the Cleveland Browns. So far, they have got six wins and seven losses. And their most recent loss came at the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this past week, they beat the Bengals. Good job, Bengals. Though the Bengals definitely were a little bit distracted because the Patriots were spying on them at the time. But the Browns did get that coveted sixth win of the season over their in-state rivals, the Bengals, this past week. But the prior week, they were matching up with the Steelers. This is a rivalry matchup made even more intense, made even more juicy and drama-filled because of the fight just two weeks before. Now, They basically had these teams play two weeks apart with only one game in between for each team. The first time these two teams played, it was the helmet swing heard around the world. In the final seconds of the game, basically as the game was ending, quarterback for the Steelers, Mason Rudolph, gets into it with defensive end, the aforementioned Miles Garrett, a young star for the Cleveland Browns. 
and the two guys were going at it, pulling each other's face masks. Eventually, it ended with Miles Garrett ripping off Mason Rudolph's helmet and trying to hit him back in the head with it. Rudolph was going after him. The offensive linemen for the Steelers were going after Garrett as well, trying to tackle him onto the floor, pile on him, and it was just a crazy situation. So as you can imagine, tensions were running high for their second matchup, and it wasn't just because of this whole participation in the fight sort of incident, but it was also definitely partly due to his on-field performance that the coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, decided not even to play Mason Rudolph the gentleman who was the target of the helmet swing to the forehead, partly because the Browns guys hate him so much and partly just because he's not very good at football. Probably more than not being very good at football thing, but I think he also just didn't want to add any extra fire for the matchup. But somebody who was willing to add a little drama to the matchup, add a little kindling to the fire, add some salsa to that taco, add a little cement to that sidewalk, it was Freddie Kitchens. It was the coach of the Cleveland Browns because he was out at the movies on Friday night. And look, I'm not saying you can't go to the movies and have fun, but you got a huge game coming up. That was basically a must-win game for the Browns, which they lost. And now with six wins, seven losses, it's going to be pretty, pretty tough for them to fight back and make the playoffs. They would need a lot of different things to fall their way, which probably are not going to happen. So... They, this was really a must win. This was like a playoff game for the Browns against the Steelers, their division rivals, and they lost it. And I'm not criticizing Freddie for wanting to go out to the movies. Movies are fun. They're a little bit of a waste of money, in my opinion, to pay like $15 for something that eventually you're able to watch for free. But, you know, we don't need to get into that now. But maybe you, you want to be back home watching film and really getting ready for the game. And if you're going to the movies, you better make sure you win if you're that confident to go to the movies before, but it wasn't just that he went to the movies. It was that he went to the movies and he was wearing a shirt that said on it, Pittsburgh started it. Pittsburgh started it. Now, right before you play Pittsburgh, you're wearing a shirt, Pittsburgh started it, which is clearly in reference to the fight from a couple weeks before, which, you know what, Pittsburgh probably did start it. Mason Rudolph did say some, it seems like, very mean things to Miles Garrett, maybe some other members of the Cleveland Browns. They were retaliating in defense of what they felt like was something that was very offensive, he said. And that's, I mean, we don't have to go too deep into who's right, who's wrong. Miles Garrett seems like a pretty good guy, honestly, other than this one incident of swing the helmet. And Mason Rudolph doesn't really seem like the best guy even though he got a helmet swung at his head. So I don't really want to go into being Judge Judy on this one, but let's just say that it was not necessary for Coach Kitchens to wear a shirt saying Pittsburgh started it right before the game when you clearly know whoever sees you out at the movie theater is going to take a picture of you in the shirt. That's exactly what happened. Then it got posted to social media. It blew up. And of course, Pittsburgh and their players, everybody saw the fucking shirt. Everybody saw Freddie was out in the shirt before the game started. So they knew they were ready for it, and the Steelers came out, and they handled the Browns, even though they were playing with their fourth-string quarterback, Duck Hodges. Yes, Duck Hodges, I said that correct. So, Duck Hodges, he leads the Steelers to a victory, and after, Freddie, he's in the press conference, they're asking him, look, man, why'd you wear the shirt? Why? I mean, isn't this just adding fuel to the fire? And 
Was this really necessary? It seems a little immature. I mean, you're a grown-ass man. You don't need to be wearing, like, graphic tees dissing your, your frenemies out here. This is a little weird. And he was sure. He was confident. He said, you know, the shirt isn't the reason we lost the game, which, yeah, obviously he's right. It's just a dumb shirt. It's not the reason they lost the game. Okay, they lost the game because he's not a very good coach. Not doesn't have anything to do with his his wardrobe. But then he went on to say, my daughters are the ones that told me to wear the shirt. So the guy, look, you are the head coach of an entire NFL franchise. As I mentioned previously on the show, each team is worth like over a billion dollars. So that's basically like being the CEO of a giant corporation. And Freddie has the balls. Freddie has the audacity to stand up there on the podium addressing the media and blame this incident on his daughters. Like, you have to be fucking kidding me. This guy threw his daughters under the bus for this whole crisis. Okay, maybe your daughters did buy you the shirt, Freddie. Maybe they did think it was funny. But look, you are a 45-year-old man. You're a grown-ass man. You can't be out here blaming your mistakes, your missteps on your young daughters. Grow the fuck up, dude. That's why, you know, Freddie Kitchens wins our mask off. It's a meta mask off this week because Freddie Kitchens unmasked his own daughters, throwing them under the bus and thus winning himself the mask off award this week. You already lost the game. You already basically ruined the whole season that came in with super high expectations for this team. The highest expectations the Brown have had, the Browns have had probably since I've been alive, to be honest. And probably since any of the players on their team have been alive. And then you are paid, you make the big bucks to take the responsibility. The top of the totem pole, the head of the pyramid, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. The CEO, the boss, the coach, right? So when you shirk this responsibility when you then start pointing fingers and throwing your young daughters under the bus and say, oh, it's really their fault. They're really the ones who told you to wear the shirt. That's not a good excuse, man. Don't don't blame your daughters publicly in the media. Just just say, you know what? It was silly. I shouldn't have worn the shirt and move on. And that's not the reason we lost. It's because I'm not very good. Not a very good coach. That's all we needed to hear. Or we didn't execute. You can say the classic coach stuff. We didn't execute. That's what everybody says when you when that just means we were shitty. We didn't execute. But instead of just saying, look, we didn't execute and I'm disappointed and just move on. No, you had to say, actually, it was really my daughter's idea, but I don't regret it because, you know, it was a, it's a cool shirt. I'll wear it again. I wore it before. But look, anyway, it's not really my fault. It's my daughter's fault anyway. And that in a microcosm, that in just one sentence shows you why Freddie is not a very good leader, not a very good coach. If he's throwing his daughters under the bus in this moment of crisis, in this moment of drama in front of the media, imagine when's he going to throw Odell under the bus or Baker under the bus? Who knows? And I know the guys seem to like him on the team. The players seem to like him. He seems like a decent enough guy. He seems like a player's coach and everything. But, Freddie, you are our Mask Off Award recipient this week because I am just shocked and amazed. That this guy, when he's got sort of his back against the wall, his season is over, he just kind of did something embarrassing, he said he didn't really think people were going to see the shirt because he was wearing like a hoodie over it. Come on, dude. And then, to top it all off, the icing on the cake, well, really, anyway, don't, don't blame me, don't talk to my daughters. Well, great, when's their fucking press conference, Freddie? 
Because maybe they're the real ones who are in charge of the Cleveland Browns. Maybe we should ask your daughters why you can't get Odell Beckham open. Or why Baker Mayfield is getting sacked left and right. Or why the whole team felt like it was okay to have a brawl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe we should ask your daughters about that. They're in charge of everything. Because obviously, you're not. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open. We hope you had almost as much fun as we did. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, and tell your friends to listen to the show. You can follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod for one-of-a-kind content you won't find anywhere else. Everybody, have a great night, and don't forget to stay open.